0: Welcome into the September 28th episode of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morasuti. We got a preseason game to preview tonight between the Leafs and Les Habitants. There's a major injury update to fill you guys in on, and we review Austin Matthews' first pitch at the Toronto Blue Jays game, and also Dave's performance at the Blue Jays game. All that more coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morisuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you can also now catch us up on video format on YouTube. Search up Locked on Leafs on YouTube. Hit subscribe and get new daily content each and every day, Monday through Friday, from him and I. And speaking of him being David Morissuti, my co-host, Buds, you're at the Jays game. Austin Matthews is at the Jays game. Who do you think put on a better performance? Him and his pitch or you and your dogs, my guy?
1: What did, what, what did we set the over-under for hot dogs for me at this game?
0: Do we? Did, what? I'm, I'm trying to remember what we said. Oh, no. We might have to go back and listen to the last episode. But I feel you, like that gave you something like maybe 10, 8 or 10.
1: I, I hit 9.
0: Oh, so that was a good over-under. It was around 8 to 10. So you hit 9 dogs. Easily I'm
1: gonna say I I underestimated how small these things were
0: so I've never gone to Lootie dog night down at the dome can you order like as many as you want in one go like you just go up there and be like can I get 14 hot dogs please and they'll just give you 14 hot dogs
1: so I went with the family right and she got 15 hot dogs in one shot
0: so you can just order as many as you want. You're like, I, I'm i going to force myself to scarf down 24 of these bad boys. Give me two dozen dogs, please. And they'll just
1: plop. I think, you I go. think they do have a limit of like 20. I think that's the limit. But
0: like, <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> you, know, you got you to gotta stop somewhere, I guess. I guess
0: at 19, you should be able to stop yourself there. Uh, that was that's pretty impressive, though. Nine, nine hot dogs is a pretty good performance. I must say. So hats off to you. But that was not the stunning moment of your night, David. We got to pull this up because I challenged you. I challenged you in the last episode. I said, dude, if you're going down to the game for dollar dog night, you got to get the dunk in there and see how it tastes. So let's show the viz. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it here. If not, go find the YouTube video, uh, or go to our Twitter at Locked On Leafs, where Dave's uploaded the video of himself dunking his hot dog in the beer and then giving it a go. And just, just, just hit play because what you had to describe this and what you compared this to is lunacy, and I'm consider stripping you of your Italianness, my friend. Hit play, please. Because of the peer pressure, thanks, Mike. I'm gonna
1: do the dipping of the. Oh, it's
0: this, this better be good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that looks better.
0: Nice
1: to be <laughs> it's like dipping your cookie in the coffee.
0: Not bad. Not bad. Cookie in the coffee, Dave? Was it like one to ten? Scale of one to ten. What was your 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 dunked dog uh on a scale of one to ten how it taste
1: so i don't know if you could hear in the background my buddy literally saying just like a biscotti man <laughs> literally <laughs> he's saying that as i'm doing it <laughs> i had a lot of apprehension about doing this and it was not that bad no the greatest thing ever but it no, I mean obviously helped that there wasn't any condiments on it because that would have been disgusting.
0: I would imagine the bun is is the worst part. Just like the soggy beer infested yeah, bun, would be the worst part.
1: The bun was I mean, luckily it wasn't like a thick bun. It was a nice their buns are the buns you get for the hot dogs are not too bad. Yeah. That makes it a little bit it feels weird. But the taste itself unless you have like a specific, like the the I I could only get Mill Street organic beer. So like it's not like I'm taking a beer that has some like weird flavors to it. And it's like infusing with the hot dog. It's just a regular
0: mechanic.
1: So that's what I think made it taste not too bad.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to give it to you, man. You did it. You didn't want to, but, uh, you, you did it for the show. You did it for the pod. And well, now you can say that you've dunked a dog in a beer and lived to tell the tale. So now you got a story. I'm curious how many people, like we're watching you and not knowing what was going on. And they're like, is that guy dunking his hot dog in the beer? He is a lunatic. I, I hope somebody went home and is telling a story about how they saw some weirdo doing uh, dunking their dog today. But uh,
1: better than dunking your chicken fingers in the Coke. I don't know if you remember that one.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's that. That's up there. That's up there for things you should never, ever do. No. Although dunking your hot dog in your beer is also probably something that most normal people don't ever do either. Oh, uh, chestnut. Yeah, Well, that's that's water, not beer. <laughs> I've seen him do it in beer. beer, in
1: beer. Who used to do it in the beer? Somebody used to do that.
0: Uh, not chestnut. He's all, that, That's all water. You dunk it in the water and you're shoving it in your mouth. It's... it's repulsive really what Joey Chestnut does with hot dogs um compared compared to to I guess what you did but um Austin Matthews was down there to throw the first pitch you, you got down there in time to watch it I
1: legitimately we got through the gate our section was right at the gate I planned this perfectly we get through the aisle and there's our boy on the mound like we get there as he's getting on the mound I was like you could not ask for better timing
0: He wasn't on the mound, though, David, and that bothers me because earlier in the day he was speaking with the Leafs media brass and he said he planned on throwing from the rubber. He did not. He threw from in front of the mound. I'm upset. I'm upset. I thought he was going to try and throw from the rubber. I thought he was going to maybe try and throw some heat. Neither happened. Threw from in front, kind of lobbed it in, didn't even get a strike call got a high it was a high th- i got you want to you want to see the video yeah let's show the, let's show the video to
1: the people I, I i like you i was also a little bit surprised that of his performance with this of course i
0: that. That, really see it there but it did it was very high very high High and away uh, is is what that pitch was. So for a guy who used to play baseball, I kind of expected a little better. He did say that he wasn't the greatest pitcher. When he did play, he was a catcher back in his heyday. Um, Although his father was a pitcher, so I thought maybe he would be all right. But, uh, yeah, I guess he chose the, the right decision to stick with hockey over <laughs> baseball, If if that's the case right there. But, hey. Still pretty cool to have Austin Matthews in the building. Pretty big game, right? And having the Yankees in town, September, there's the race for the postseason. Um, although the Blue Jays ultimately lost the game, um, it was still probably a pretty cool atmosphere and a good buzz having uh, Matthews in there, a chance for Judge to make history. And then, you know, just uh, another opportunity for the Blue Jays to also keep adding to their win totals on the year. Um None of that actually ended up happening, but I'm sure it still would have been a pretty sweet atmosphere. All right, uh, let's get into some Leafs news because there is a significant injury update that we got to make here, Dave. Um, So why don't we take a quick break and we get back. I'll update it and say who it is. And how impactful it could potentially be. Uh, before we get into that news, though, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and that's betonline.net. It's your number one source for football betting this season. Also, the NHL. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every single game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute score updates for each and every sport. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the NHL, the MLB, MMA, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DeStefano with Dave Morasuti, and uh, if you were betting on the amount of injuries that were going to occur early on in camp, and and you took the under, you you you've lost already, my friend. Injuries keep piling up, and the latest one I would say is most definitely um, the most concerning one, and the one that is going to be most impactful. John Tavares out with an oblique strain, a minimum of three weeks, according to Sheldon Keefe. Um, your initial thoughts on uh, on that news there, Dave?
1: Well, it's just so unfortunate. When you hear it's an oblique strain, I've heard of players getting oblique, like any athlete, like athletes getting oblique strains doing the weird, for the re- weirdest reasons, right? Those just kind of just pop up out of nowhere. There's not really a, you know, particular way to avoid getting an oblique strain. I'll just say that.
0: Dude, I feel so, like I get an oblique strain sometimes by like putting on my seatbelt, I'll be honest.
1: Well, like I heard like guys
0: just like they just twist one way and uh yeah. I mean like on the ice, right? Like you're you're turning up ice, a turnover, you have to turn quick. I mean, yeah, you could definitely strain something there.
1: Yeah, it, it's just when you heard that he was like first initially is like awesome, uh sorry, John Tavares wasn't there with an upper body injury. And you're like, oh. And then you hear it's on a bleacher, stream, you're just like, oh. Like, there's the one thing you don't want to have happen just as the season's about to get started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: such, just such a... I know, like, there's been so much said about Tavares, too, during the off-season stuff that it's just like, the guy doesn't need this right now.
0: No, and, and, and it's unfortunate because a lot of the conversation that we were having trying to stay positive about Tavares was the fact that he was healthy, right? He had a healthy off season and he was feeling good. He was able to train and able to get stronger. And hopefully he was able to work on his speed, his skating a little bit um, simply just because he was, he was healthy and able to train. Now he comes into the season with an injury. And if he's out three weeks, I mean that probably takes him out of the first week of, of the regular season. This is a minimum three weeks. So reevaluate him after that. And then you've got, okay, so if he's out three weeks and he returns, now he's been off the ice for three weeks. And and, and he hasn't been you know training and he hasn't really been in game shape. He's going to have to try and ramp it right back up um, with the season already underway. So extremely unideal for John Tavares. Um, this is definitely an injury that nobody wanted to see happen. I mean, I, I would say outside of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, definitely to me, this is the biggest injury that the Maple Leafs Um, could potentially get, and when you take a look at the center depth now with Tavares out of the lineup, it's pretty bleak and weak, isn't it, Dave?
1: Yeah, this is why, like, you're right in terms of the order of players because it's not like you have a guy that's up to John Tavares' standard to replace him with. This is why all this idea of trading John Tavares is like, okay, sure, trade John Tavares. And who are you going to get to replace him as the tops as a second line center? You can't just and then, you know, you look at the lineups and the the lines like, oh, it looks like this will likely be Alexander Kerr and Kelly Yonkrok's duty to replace John Tavares. It's like, that's not a good thing, guys. It's if it, you can get by with it for a few, like a week, a few games, but over a long term period, that's not. It's, that's not what you what you expect your lineup to look like it's it's a huge downgrade
0: yeah i mean if if it's only like a week or 10 days or something like that yes you could get away probably with a kerfoot or a own crock maybe you slide willie inside at center um you could you might be able to get away with it just because the rest of your lineup can be strong enough to to withstand some you know an injury like that but long term Kerfoot is not a second line center. He's barely a second line winger on this club, let alone you know have the two way responsibility. So it's definitely concerning. But he's the guy who probably will be given the most opportunity to run away with that two C role with John Tavares out, and you know in the game tonight he's going to end up centering a line with Denny Mulgan and um, and also William Nylander. And you know I could see that legitimately being like the opening night second line for this Maple Leafs team. And that's why they want to get a look at it. Like that could potentially be the situation, funny enough. Um, but definitely like it, there's, there's been so much, you know, discourse about, oh, you got to try and buy out Tavares, move Tavares, trade him. I think we're, all it took was a, a three week injury in preseason for us to be like, ah, maybe not so fast. Cause it's a little thin. And now I, I'm also thinking to myself, is Kerfoot even like an expendable piece to this team? Because if he, an injury occurs to one of Tavares or Matthews, if you trade Kerfoot and one of these guys is out for, let's say, you know, four to six weeks, now all of a sudden, who's the guy who's going to fill in if you end up trading Kerfoot away? Right now it's like, okay, Croak as a second-line center, is that really the guy who we're going to be leaning on? And it's unfortunate because last year, a player who you felt somewhat comfortable with in a role like this, like when Matthews got injured and he missed, what, he missed three or five games or something like that in the middle of the year. um, Jason Spezza was a player who could slide up and play on that second line. And he felt comfortable with it because he, he knew that role, right? Was he a second liner at that point in his career? No, but for a couple of games, he felt okay with it. He's not there anymore. You don't really have like a fourth line veteran center who you f- say, okay, he can go up and play, spot you a couple of games. So if there's no Kerfoot and you end up trading him away for cap reasons, which has been suggested multiple times, also by us on this podcast, to be honest, like we'll call ourselves that. We've said that's a possibility, you know, to get under the cap. That is one of the names that keep coming up. But now I'm thinking, man, there's just not deep enough down the middle to for them to really actually move Alex Kerfoot, although he is likely to play the wing for most of the year, if an injury were to occur, he's that automatic option to slide into your top six center. And after that, it is dicey, man.
1: Well, and you look at you move a curvefoot up the second to the second line, you can get away with Yarncork being the third line center and Camp being the fourth line center. That's fine and. It's just not not great because then that puts a lot of pressure on the wingers to really pick things up offensively and defensively too. So this is where I think the Leafs just have to find ways to start bringing in some younger guys with more upside through the system. So they say, okay, Tavares is out. We got a young guy in the wings. Now, you can't – it's been so hard to get a – True legitimate top six center. Look at what the Leafs had to do to get them. Draft one first overall, sign the other guy for eleven million dollars.
0: Yeah. Like well, they did have Nazm Kadri who they let uh again let go, but
1: I mean at this at this stage, Nazm Kadri is proven to be not a guy that you can sign for four and a half million dollars. When he was here for four and a half, that was Perfect in terms of like
0: four and a half up until literally this year, yeah. So, but yeah, I understand what you're saying here. Like, th-
1: that's where you have to kind of. This is, I think, maybe at some point, it may have to be a little bit of a wake up call to a Kyle Dubas to say, Look, if one of our other guys, like a William Nylander or a Mitch Marner, isn't able to make that move, like they got to find a way eventually at some point to say this needs to be a priority for us because to lose John Tavares. And we've seen even with Austin Matthews out of the lineup, the the drawback and the fall and the follow from that, it really does impact what this team can do. Now people will say, well, if if certain guys weren't making a lot of money, maybe you could go out and get another guy. But again, who are you going to get in free agency? It's so tough because the dollar amounts that these top six guys want, like who's a guy that you could realistically say. The last few years of free, like even well, I'll give tass- you
0: one. I'll give you one that I I made a claim for right here on the show in the summer, and you'll remember this. But you'll recall I was clamoring the Leaf should sign Paul Stastny. Do you remember me bringing that up when we were talking yep. about kind of our top five free agent targets? Paul Stastny was a guy who I thought is versatile in a way where. And he only signed for like, well, I think, one and a half million in Carolina. So a feasible contract, too. It looks like he was willing to take for a contender. And he's somebody who can play vers—you know versatile, plays the wing, plays down the middle. And if there was an injury to that top six, to one of Matthews or to Tavares, like we're seeing now, he's a logical option for who you can kind of fill in as your number two center and feel comfortable with it, right? Obviously, they did not make that decision to sign him or he didn't want to sign here, whichever one, I'm, I'm not really sure to be quite honest with you, but regardless, he's not here in Toronto, but that was one of the guys. And, and that was, you know, the type of player, the role that I thought the Maple Leafs needed to go after this year was somebody who. You feel comfortable playing on the second line who has versatility at both the wing and center position because there just wasn't much depth, something in between your Kerfoot and Tavares. And they just never got that. And now we're sitting here Tavares. It's only three weeks and and it's only going to most likely be one week of the season um, unless further complications occur. But at, at right now, you know, it's three weeks, but if, another injury occurs, or if this is a lingering situation, or if Tavares doesn't bounce back the way that we're hoping he does. It's a thin center group here in Toronto. It really, really is. And, and, and it it's, it's shown and we haven't even gotten to October 12th yet for puck at game one.
1: You know, we even brought up another name at one point in the off season. It, and there was a lot of talk that it could have been a possibility with Dylan Strom. Yes.
0: Yes. He's- he signed for one
1: year, $3.5 million, would have been an RFA at the end, is still an RFA at the end of that deal with Washington. And I'm just like, so you're telling me Dylan Strom, who's younger, probably has more offensive upside, had a pretty okay year in Chicago, considering that they were a tire fire of a team, and he only went for $3.5 million on a one-year deal?
0: Same amount of money on Alex Kerfoot's current deal, exactly.
1: And that's where that like that irked me a lot because it's just like if the leafs are constantly going to say, Oh, we have Kerfoot, we don't need Dylan Strome. The whole idea is you need to get better than Alexander Kerfoot. Yes, and that's that's the frustration that I have is that these guys are out there. Dylan Strome's a hometown guy, you can't tell me this guy wouldn't have loved to play at home.
0: Yeah, he probably
1: got. He probably the Leafs were probably trying to get him cheaper than what Washington paid, and that's where that's the frustrating part. There, 3. From what I, I would take that.
0: From what I was told, is he was very much interested in coming to Toronto. And to your point, I think ultimately the the contract that was offered to him wasn't really all that close i don't know for fact but based on the information that i was told and how things kind of ended up playing out afterwards it seems as though the contract that they offered probably didn't stack up anywhere near the contract offer that he got from washington which is why he ended up going elsewhere and not coming to toronto and i mean hey that's a, a you know that's one of the big reasons why Kyle Dubas does get a little bit of hate. Well, a lot of hate, a lot of the time from this, this, this fan base or from, you know, certain pockets of this fan base is because he dug himself a big old hole, given the big money deals out to these players. And it hasn't allowed him to do much the last couple of seasons. Granted, he did not expect a pandemic to hit and a flat cap to occur, but it did happen and he's had to navigate those waters and it's been difficult for him to try and create, um, you know, a whole lot of depth, especially at certain positions up front in the middle six area, I guess. And here we are, you know, in a situation where one of the big boys goes down and there's not a proper um, replacement to kind of slide in there that you feel totally comfortable with. Now there's not a whole lot of, Teams out there that really have that, I would say, but there's also only a handful of Stanley Cup contenders, and Toronto's one of them. So you would expect them to have the depth to withstand an injury like this. And unfortunately, it just kind of doesn't look like they do. Um, all right, let's take one more quick break, Dave. And when we get back, uh, let's kind of preview tonight's game. Leafs-Habs preseason game three, I suppose, the two on the weekend. This will be the third game. It's going to be the first time we'll get to see Matt Murray in a Maple Leafs uniform. And we'll take a look at the rest of the roster as the Maple Leafs sent out uh, who's going to be playing in this game. So we'll do that, tee up the game, uh, and a bit of an update also on the salary salary cap over the next couple of years that more coming up on the other side here on the Lock On Lease podcast welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti uh we are the hosts here at the Locked On Lease podcast and Dave before we get into Leafs Habs did you see the good news about the salary cap my forgot uh my I was gonna say my friend and my guy for guy my guy did you see the news I did. I did see
1: the uh, reporting from Elliot Friedman that it's it's coming, but it's probably not coming as soon as we want it to come. But I think the Like uh, Bill Daly kind of gave us a bit of a, a preview that it's coming. You're just going to have to wait for it.
0: Well, it could grow as much as they're saying reportedly 10 million over the next three years. So they're expecting another $1 million increase next season. And then after that, a bit more of a jump to roughly $87 million potentially. And then it could get as high as $92 million three years from now. And that 87 number is important because that's the season that both William Nylander and um, Austin Matthews are up for contracts so you know an extra you know four and a half five-ish million in cap you know two years from now that should help with those players and trying to get those guys signed to uh to contract extension so knowing that it's going to be going up a little bit uh you know could go up four or so million dollars more um from next year to the year after I think is definitely uh, really good news for the Maple Leafs, Kyle Dubas and Leaf fans. If they plan on trying to keep, um, you know, this team intact and try and build also and try and win themselves a Stanley cup or compete for a Stanley cup. Heck let's take uh let's take a round at this point. Um, all right. Tonight's Leafs Habs preseason matchup uh, seven o'clock down at Scotia bank arena. Hopefully some of y'all listening are going to the game there's what, like 14,000 people at the, at the games last weekend. I would, I, I'm curious to see what it looks like on a Wednesday evening, but Leafs Habs always, always a good matchup, no matter what, even if it's preseason, it's still marquee. Cause it's Leafs and Habs um, you want to pull up the, the tweet that was sent out by the Maple Leafs, just kind of noted notifying us who's going to be playing tonight. So, they didn't necessarily give us the lines, so we're going to have to kind of, I guess, assume who the lines, what the lines are going to look like. But I think what we can assume based on practice today that the first line is going to be Alex Kerfoot with Danny Mulligan and uh, uh, William Nylander. So yesterday, it was John Tavares who was centering that line. And then obviously with the injury, Kerfoot slides up there. And looks like they're going to get a run. And I would assume um, that that's for good reason. They think this potentially, if there is an injury to, uh, well, I guess there is the injury, but with the injury to John Tavares, this is a line they could foresee potentially starting the year with as that second line. Let's see if they can build some chemistry right off the hop. Um, Did you kind of get the sense of, of that potentially being the case with this lineup?
1: Yeah, I've also seen uh, the. It could potentially be Pontus Olmberg. Uh, he was there during practice, but again, yeah, it could just be also be this is Kerfoot with the injury now. Now Sheldon Keefe has to think about getting this line a little bit more up to speed, or at least getting Kerfoot and up to speed with playing center in that position as you know in the top six. Because right now there's really no sense of having him playing a bottom six role considering he's going to be needed to play top six. You might as well get him, get him those reps now with the, you know, I understand there's like what, another five preseason games left, four or five preseason games left. Yeah. But you got to get, you know, the preseason is not just for that, it's for, you know, trying different people out. I would kind of like to see what a Pontus Olmberg, we saw him play with, with, uh, Nylander and Mulligan already. So I I I'm it's not like they need to they it hasn't been tried yet. And that's why I'm thinking this should, as you mentioned,
0: it should be Kerfa because he hasn't played in that role yet. Yeah, I'm just looking at the practice lines from yesterday. So you're correct that Holmberg um did practice alongside Mulligan and Nne That being said, uh Kerfa was not with this group. He was in the no. The second group that had come out to play, and it, I, I think it'll end up being Kerfoot over Holmberg because that's the more likely player to end up getting those second line duties. And now you kind of got him, got to get him ready for that, and, and get him some minutes. So I would think that uh, that we'll end up seeing Kerfoot over Holmberg, and Holmberg's still going to play. Obviously, he's uh, on this roster right now but where is he going to play? I guess we'll, we'll have to wait for tomorrow exactly to see where that whole thing kind of situates. Um, I will say this, though, when it comes to like Kerfoot and Nylander, uh, like if this is if they have to play, you know, a week or two with without John Tavares, they had a really good stretch in the playoffs against Montreal Canadiens when Tavares got injured. Do you recall that? Like Kerfoot and Nylander were the top line of that series for the Maple Leafs. Maybe they could try and rekindle some of that magic, and Denny Mulgan could play the Alex uh, Galchenyuk role as the you know castaway who kind of comes in and plays some solid you know foundational hockey. And I, I talked about a, uh, a a piece in the Athletic by Haley Salvian about Mulgan yesterday on the show, and I, I just I recall also reading. In that piece, she had talked to uh, Peter Gromberg, who was his head coach with Zurich last year in the Swiss League. And um, apparently, Malgin was straight up with Gromberg and said, hey, I want to get to the NHL. It's the best league in the world. That's where I want to get to. And Gromberg said, okay, whatever we do this year will be to try and help you at that level in that league and really help him with his two-way game. I know that the NHL is a completely different beast than the Swiss League. But the fact that um, you know there was that wherewithal for Malgin knowing where in his game he needs to improve in order to play in the NHL, I think he'll be given a good look and a good run um, here in the top six to see if, if perhaps something will translate and something did perhaps maybe click while he was over in Switzerland and can translate into the NHL. So that is a line tonight that I especially uh, will be keying in on to see if, you know those two-way abilities that uh, he supposedly had worked on over the last couple of seasons can kind of shine through.
1: By the way, anybody dissing the Swiss League, let's not forget that that's where Austin Matthews played before he <laughs> came to the NHL. So yeah. maybe maybe give it a little more respect. I know it's not the NHL, but it's not nothing hockey as well. So. That was my first point when you brought that up. And I did see some comments about that on YouTube. We read the comments. We take notice. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I think this is a guy who who understood that he had unfinished business with the Leafs, right? The trade with Mason Marchman, and we talked about how, and even we talked about on this podcast, that that's a trade maybe Kyle Dubas would think twice about. Well, Malkin's back and he can make he can make people maybe rethink their thought on that if he were to prove to be you know that this uh, his work in Switzerland does prepare him better for the NHL than he was when he first joined the Leafs.
0: Yeah, yeah, potentially. Potentially and uh we'll, we'll be able to to get a look at him tonight against the Habs. Any else about this lineup kind of stick out to you that you're excited to watch tonight?
1: Um we saw Tavares kind of pump Fraser Mintons tires quite a bit we talked about that and i want to see how he does with the with the little pep talk from the coach and the and the captain there no Is he? Uh,
0: i don't know if he's on this roster actually i don't think he's actually, playing no, right. I, it, I don't see
1: him cuz he was in he was
0: in the the in line, group line yeah he was in group 1 line rushes but yeah. now the he's group like, one and group 2 for whatever reason they're just combining and playing whomever they're not sticking to the groups for this game, no. which did make it a little confusing when when this came out initially. I
1: will say, Curtis Douglas,
0: yeah, big boy.
1: See the six foot nine yeah. beast of a player. I want to see. I didn't really keen in too much on him in the early preseason games. I want to see how he does. Uh, I don't know what the Habs lineup is going to look like. I probably probably should have looked. I probably should have looked at that. But I want to see I I want to see what what he can do because again, this is a guy with some size. This is somebody that you know when we're talking about Wayne Simmons and if he can stick to the lineup. Curtis Douglas is a guy that's trying to bump Wayne Simmons down. He's the one that's trying to take his spot. So I'm curious to see how that how that kind of plays out there. And then yeah, will the Jordy Ben and Morgan Riley experiment actually be something that I can actually watch with my eyes, or am I going to be like, <laughs> please never again?
0: Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I have a little bit more faith in Jordy Ben, I suppose, than you do. Like he's a good veteran, definitely a good veteran in the Perfect. league who, who can play both sides, but yeah, it would not be ideal if, if Jordy Ben is, uh, is, is on the least first pair and I don't expect him to be, but he could very well be on the third pair to start the season, especially with all these injuries that the, uh, the Leafs have now accrued, but looks like TJ Brody and Mark Giordano both going to be uh, scanning on a pair together. So they'll be reunited for the first time in a couple of seasons. That'll be exciting. But I think probably outside of taking a peek at that top line that we had discussed with Kerfoot, Nylander, and Mulgan, Matt Murray getting his first start, his first look as a Toronto Maple Leaf in that sweater, do you think there's a lot of pressure on Matt Murray to perform given that Tim sonoff pitched a shutout in his 40 minutes of action uh over the weekend
1: well I just remember like with Freddie Anderson in the in the preseason he would go on like a, there would be like a stretch where he just let in a few bad goals and he's just like oh there's Freddie like <laughs> I'm I I think there there's definitely how I, I don't see how there's not pressure on matt murray just because of the trade and
0: let me let me let me, let me ask you this let me ask you this okay. if matt murray goes in there tonight and he lets in let's say five goals in 40 minutes or let's say four goals in 40 minutes are you worried or does it matter does it not matter that much cuz it's game 1 for him in the preseason it would not be a good look. That's like,
1: it would no way to look to not say that it's not, like, you can't say, oh, it's not, it's okay. It wouldn't be great. I, if it was something that you okay, he has this game and maybe he doesn't perform well, but then in the next game he does better. Then that's something. It, 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 this is why I can't look at just one game. You have to kind of look at it in stretches. Samsonov, yes, he did very well in those 40 minutes. He could, very much do not do well in a full 60 minutes that he plays on Friday. That's totally possible. That's why I ha- you have to with goaltending, it should be over a stretch and not just the gate, a one game, you know, trial on yeah. period when you're evaluating them, in my opinion. So yeah, if Murray lets in four goals tonight, I'm not going to be thrilled about it. <laughs> like you can't, you can't say, ah, just not a good night for him.
0: I get I that. Like, like if, if I'm going to go glass half full, I guess, and or play devil's advocate and yeah. take the other approach here, you can make the argument, like, look at the lineup in front of them, I guess, right? Sure. Like, this isn't the lineup that we'll be defending. I mean, outside of, I guess, Riley, Brody, and Geo. You know, like Tommy Miller is going to be out there tonight. You already mentioned Jordy Ben, who are not very high on. Uh, Dahlstrom and Mete are going to be out there tonight as a third pair, probably play fifteen minutes or so. You know, the 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 you know up front offensively, you don't have the big. Trio, I suppose, in Matthews, Marner, Bunting. Clearly, you're not going to have Tavares, who's out with injury. You know, instead, you've got guys like Curtis Douglas. You've got guys like Bobby McMahon and Nicholas Robertson and Alex Steves. A couple of guys who, by the way, also I think will want to try and make some impressions tonight. Um, I think Robertson, especially, needs to start impressing if he wants to try and get himself a roster spot, by the way. Uh, so that's just another aside. But when it comes to Matt Murray, yeah, that's the that's that's kind of the saving grace where if he does have a bad game, it's like nah, eh, you know, the system in front, the, the the players playing in front of him aren't going to be the same guys that uh, that will be there come opening night when when they really need them, you know, the same, you know, defensive core that was what sixth last year and expected goals against. So uh, that that should be something you can kind of hang your hat on, I guess, if if he it does go a little south early on for Matt Murray.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm like, you know, I want to give Matt Murray every chance to try to turn things around because, you know, he's cut. He came from a team that was just very poor, especially mm-hmm. on the defensive side. He's coming into a new situation, new expectations. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt to get things going, which is why if he does have a bad game. I'm not going to you know, lose my mind over it that's why I'm going to take this in straw and pro, you know, in sequences. I'm not going to just let this be a one game thing. It would be the wrong thing to do for him. And it'd be the wrong thing for the Leafs to do. And I'm sure the guys who are paid a lot more money and, and have a lot more experience at this understand that as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, tonight Leafs Habs preseason game, seven o'clock puck drop down at Scotiabank arena. Uh, You can, I think it's actually going to be on TSN 1050 where you can listen to it. Um, I don't Can't recall if TSN or Sportsnet probably has the game for the Leafs and the Habs probably has the, uh, the uh, TSN probably has the Habs feed because I believe that's how things end up working when it comes to, you know, the way they split it up, market share and whatnot. Uh, All right. I think we're going to. Take a pause and end the show there, Dave. Good stuff. We got through a lot. Um, it was kind of a, there's there some important updates, important updates that we had to make in that show. Uh, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You'd subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti and follow the show at Locked On Leafs. Uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll be recapping the preseason game between the Leafs and Habs tonight. Enjoy the game. Until then, keep locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.